Brilliant move, sir. Are you sure you've never played Risk before? You can play the same game as generals, admirals, and great world leaders. It's called Risk. After hours of grand strategy and intense battles, your armies could conquer the world. Or be conquered themselves. In other words, it's just like the game the big boys play. Risk. It'll do more than entertain you. It'll let you make history. Maybe game isn't the word for it. Parker Brothers. Welcome, dear listener, to our podcast. Jeff and Rick present Unpacking the Power of Power Pack. Where we journey through each issue of the most underrated Marvel series of the 80s while drinking beer. Analyzing awesome and amazing adolescent adventures and absorbing alcohol. I am Jeff. And I am Rick. Random banter! Loudness now! So yeah, uh... This last weekend, I just got back from Cincinnati. Ooh. Yes. Yeah, what were you doing there? I was at the Geo Woodstock Giga event in Cincinnati, Ohio. Okay, uh, explain to me what a Giga is. A, a Giga, Giga event. A Giga event means that there is going to be at least over 5,000 people there. That's a good amount of folk. Yeah. Uh, they estimated that there was 7,800 cars, so let's go ahead and average about two to three people per car, and you have a lot of geocachers. Yeah, that's a, that's a math problem. Yes, it was very much a math yeah. problem. What does X equal? X Lots e- of cachers. X equals somebody going around with a GPS looking for hidden boxes yeah. in the woods. <laughs> no, I had I had a fantastic time there. Want to know what I did? Uh, you were probably here taking care of them. Oh, no, I know, I know what you did you mm-hmm. might take a guess the word rhymes with lick it starts with the word s yes i was slick the entire weekend no wait i have uh, i had the flu or a bad cold it started like a week and a half ago or something where i'm like oh wow i guess i have allergies now that sucks then the next day i'm like oh no i'm deathly ill Nice. Wonderful. Nice. So, yeah, I spent a lot of time kind of going, I'm parenting because I'm going to lay on the floor and occasionally crack open an eye and go, is the baby into anything? No. Okay. Well, she just probably drooled in your mouth and it's all fine. Uh, that, <laughs> <laughs> if that's the worst thing that happens to me, then I've got a pretty charmed life, okay? Well, good news is, is now that we have that extra week off, you being sick, mm-hmm. Me being in Cincinnati, Ohio, we're back to doing our podcast. Yes, we are. And we're back to recording with you, our faithful listener. But in case you have forgotten, or like I have, what happened last issue, it's okay, dear listener, it's okay. Because Papa Jeff is here to give us a two-sentence replay about what happened last issue. Here's my two-sentence replay. Not much. Back to you, Rick. I know this was a pretty lacking issue, but could you try? I don't want to. Please, Jeff, for our listeners. Not for them, Rick, but for you. I'm doing this for you. Fresh from their move to Manhattan, the boys track down Spider-Man talking to Cloak and Dagger, after which they give him some directions before buying some milk and going home. Meanwhile, the girls see a man being kidnapped by a monster, so they rescue the monster and name him Baby, forgetting about the man being held by criminals almost entirely before heading home with their three-ton bouncing bulletproof fire-breathing baby boy that they then lock into their basement. Now that the I'm serious, this really did happen two-sentence replay is over, why don't you give me a beer and tell us what our power pack pick is? Well, after that recap, I think you need something a little more stiff. So how about an 8% ABV American double IPA? More IPAs, everybody's favorite. It's a double. Doubles are usually better. Mm -hmm. And besides, this one's got the name of... What does it have? What does it got? Dynamic Duo IPA. No, (laughs) IIPA. II. PA. Dynamic duo from Ex Nova Brewing Company. Double Indian Pale Ale made with mosaic and Raku hops. There is just way too much singing on the show. <laughs> I don't think there's enough. So what we got here is a yellow and orange label that <laughs> focuses on a circle with a pair of superheroes. This is one, awesome looking. <laughs> one is a white guy with a mask kind of a robin eye mask on his on his face and and then there's a black lady pretty good afro and some big hoop earrings and um that is the dynamic duo yeah so it's like uh it's very 
pulp fifties. It's like the Phantom is hooked up with a domino mask wearing Misty Knight. That's uh, that's really cool looking. And also story time at Ex Novo, we believe in making things right. We strive to make the best possible beer for you and your friends. We also work hard to help others make things right, both in our city and around the globe. Our mission is to donate a hundred percent of net profits to charitable purposes. Drink beer, do good. That's right. cool. Very nice. Good on them. Now, can you uh, guess why I chose this? Because Batman and Robin are in this one. Beep. You are incorrect, sir. You want to try again? Is it because Cloak and Dagger are in it? Or is it because yes. uh, the boys do something as a duo and the girls do something as a duo? No, I was going for this because this is um, going to be a little bit more of a Cloak and Dagger heavy episode. Okay. And I saw this and I thought of them. Not so much the story, but who is in the story and because Cloak and Dagger are in the story, I decided to go with this for them. Okay. So in their honor, they are our dynamic duo. That's not bad. That's not bad. It's citrusy. Yeah. I'm actually getting more of the citrus hit than the hops hit, so I'm, yeah. I'm very happy about that. It tail ends, it tail ends the hops. But not yeah. bad. Not bad. Like I said, doubles and triples, <laughs> I like more than single IPAs. <laughs> the more that you stuff in there, the better it gets. It's like Voltron. The more of them there are, the better it is. Yeah. Something like that. So yeah, that's what I got for our beer. Now that we got the beer out of the way, why don't we go ahead and get our opening credits out of the way as well? Power Pack, issue number seven, February 1985, Man and Dragon Man. Credits, written by Louise Simonson, penciled by June Brigman, inked by Bob Wycheck, lettered by Joe Rosen, colored by Glennis Ween, edited by Carl Potts, editor-in-chief Jim Shooter. Based on some listener feedback, we should do some brief explanation about characters to new listeners who are starting with this episode before going back to the beginning. And so, the Dramatis Personae. Alex Power a.k.a. G, oldest power sibling at 12, has the ability to increase or decrease the gravity of objects he touches. Julie Power, a.k.a. Lightspeed, second oldest power sibling at 10, has the ability to fly very fast, leaving a rainbow trail behind her. Jack Power, a.k.a. Mass Master, second youngest power sibling at 8, has the ability to control his molecular density. Katie Power, a.k.a. The Energizer, youngest power sibling at 5, has the ability to disintegrate matter, turning it into energy, which she can expel into power balls. Guest starring, Maggie Power, the Power Children's mother and a painter artist. Dr. Jim Power, the Power Children's father. He is currently a professor at Columbia University. Neither parent knows their children have powers. D'Angelo, a bad dude who sells drugs. Professor Gilbert, a smart dude who builds gigantic synthetic monsters for funsies. Dragon Man, a giant living synthetic dragon made with a mix of robotics and alchemy because comics. The first page shows us a boy in his underwear. Not going to lie, as an adult, I'm kind of creeped out by this. Actually, I think that this is the most common mode of dress for young boys. I've known any number of mothers that have complained about their kids just not wanting to wear clothes. Still creeps me out, though. Oh, yeah. I totally understand why. Jack is in his underwear while Alex is lifting a chest of drawers with his powers to get his tie. The boys are getting ready for their first day of school, but they would rather be out superheroing. Hopefully with pants. Not to worry, though. Jack tosses his clothes into the air and ghosts into them. Point of order, counselor. He was wearing his underwear then clouded up into his pants and shirt. He would have fallen out of his underwear. The dude is going commando. Moving on, Alex discovers propulsion as he grabs a spray can of foot powder and presses the nozzle while floating in the air. Again, point of order. Let's back up a second. Jack and Alex are both using the same mirror to get ready. Jack is standing in front of it. Alex has de-grabbed himself and is standing on the ceiling in his shoes, fixing his tie. First problem, he is upside down tying a tie that is not flopping in his face. Did he de-grab that tie too? Well, obviously he did. The important thing that you missed though is that while he was up there, he took his morning G-stitutional. What? It's first thing in the morning and he's full of G, so he had to get rid of it. I still don't... He took a big G-dump. Ah, what you're trying to say is that he dropped a G-bomb. Yep, right in the middle of his bedroom. Alex was going to spray his brother with some foot powder because Jack had said, Ha! That's because you're a windbag. And while spraying Jack, Alex gets propelled across the room and into a wall. Yay! Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> Eat it, Alex. <laughs> this sets Alex's brain a-thinking, and he comments that maybe they don't need the girls to fly after all. To which Jack responds with, now you're talking, let them find their own adventure. I seem to remember that somebody was complaining that they didn't get enough Jack time last issue. 
I don't remember that, but it's weird. There's a lot of things on the script that says Jack voice. I have no idea how that happened. No, somebody must have slipped it in there. Speaking of the girls, what are they up to? Glad you asked. Julie is flying down to check on the Dragon Man. You mean baby. It appears Dragon Man baby. has not been discovered, but he has caught a cold. How? I mean, he is synthetic. Uh, comics? Well, he sneezes. Fire! He sneezes fire, making Mr. Prehistoric Data here the worst basement-dwelling house guest that he could ever have. Julie floats up and puts a blanket over him. One that she used to use for her dolls, and probably has fond memories of. And hey look, Julie even wonders how he can have a cold. She is the smartest. She lets him know that they will be at school today, but only a half first day of school, so they will see him later. And then he sneezes flame on the blanket. Achoo! Setting it on fire. Yeah. Well, that was inevitable. Now we are having a breakfast scene with the powers. And they have chairs! Should we let this bit go? No, never. Never, ever. Never, ever, ever, ever. So what you're saying is... No. No. Okay. So what's happening with this nice little family scene? Well, the parents are pushing the kids to hurry up and eat, which anybody that has kids knows that's how it works. Maggie is giving Jim a hard time about wearing a bow tie. Jim responds that it is very professory and that it will drive the co-eds wild. The TV news is on, and they are talking about Professor Gilbert being professor-napped by his own creation, Dragon Man. Baby. And of course, Katie starts disintegrating her breakfast, because she can. And she gets chatted by Alex, because he can. Yeah, you're just jealous because you had to eat yours. But the girls and boys both see this new segment about Dr. Gilbert, and they both start independently making plans to rescue the good professor after school. Because the power children put the dysfunctional into family teamwork. And now we have some Awesome content. I love this stuff. We get to see the four kids on their first day of school at their new school. First, as the rest of the family walks across the street, we get a scene with Alex, standing outside of his new middle school. Ah, good old IS-44. Home of the fighting toadstools. Really? No. How square is Alex? Middle school in New York City, and he's wearing loafers, a button-up, dockers, and a tie. This is the 80s, Alex. Come on. Jack calls him out on this. Jack knows what's cool. Alex tries pulling a James Dean. Sand cigarettes, attitude, clothes, and any aura of rebellion. Hands in his pocket, looking down, leaning against a fence, feeling sad about his tie. When some kids kick a weird colored hybrid basket slash soccer ball his way. Alex catches it, but then he drops it as two of the kids bump into him. Kick, womp, bump, bump, bump. The ball ends up under a truck, and the boys start mocking Alex about dropping the ball, his tie, and that his mom brought him to school. The drop ball is a good foreshadowing of what Alex drops next. A G, but not just any G. The saddest G that we have yet to encounter. Now we tease Alex about his G-fliction a lot, but not this time. A G should be an exclamation of joy and triumph, not a litany of sorrow and defeat. It's the exclamation of someone stuck in 1951. So today, Alex, we toast you. May your G banner fly high and proudly. That being said, it does then prompt the boys to make fun of him about his use of the word G. Yeah, I know bullies are the worst, but props to this bullying kid. I respect him for standing up to Alex's abuse of the G word. It's a letter, and it is still wrong! Whatever. Back into the story. A cute blonde girl named Allison McCourt taps his shoulder and starts talking to Alex. She is also new, and her dad dropped her off. And Alex loses the ability to speak more than three words. Hamana, hamana, hamana. Meanwhile, at PS87. Ah, home of the fighting caterwallers. No, it isn't. It could be. Touche. Julie is reading a book about the care and feeding of dragons. Should we start taking drinks when this happens? When she reads a book or just about dragons? Any book. Uh, no, we have enough on our plates keeping up with the mad G-bomber when he goes on a rampage. Okay, well... Julie's reading causes two twin girls, Jenny and Ruth, to come over and talk to her. Yes, the Grady twins tell her, Come, come play with us forever and ever. <laughs> At the same time, Jack has already met a small clutch of boys and is retelling them about how he saw Spider-Man yesterday. This causes Julie to snap at Jack and call him a liar. This endears her to the twins because they also have brothers. Ugh. Yeah, brothers. Ugh. Huh. You know, we have siblings, so that makes us brothers too. Shh. Don't tell them. Maybe they won't catch on. And meanwhile, Maggie is walking Katie into kindergarten. This is utterly sweet. Maggie is soft-selling Katie on the kindergarten thing, stopping to tie her shoe for her, reminding her that the older kids will get her after school, and that there is food at home in the non-inventoried fridge. They enter the classroom, and it is pandemonium. And Katie gives her mom a hug and says, Mommy? But then, we have a resolved Katie who thinks, No, I'm a big girl now, and I've met aliens and fought snarks. And she tells her mom 
that she is going to be okay and marches into the room. It's okay, Mom. I'm not afraid of a bunch of noisy babies. You can go. I'll be okay. Honest. This is the last that we ever see of young Katie Powers. The authorities investigated, of course, and questioned the children present that day. Had Katie left the classroom alone? Had anyone come and picked her up? It was reported that the children appeared to have been playing in a reddish mud during recess as all the toys they were playing with were discolored from the touching of their scratchy-nailed hands. It was then recorded that the children looked up with their reflective eyes, smiled, red-rimmed, sharp-toothed smiles, and simply replied, Katie who? Wait, what? That, that didn't happen. That doesn't happen at all. Yeah, I know, but it would have been a heck of a plot twist if it did. Man, Ben Templesmith would art the heck out of this storyline. Seriously, though, I am so sad that we don't get to see more of school scenes. I would have loved to have seen more of the kids' interactions with their classmates. I mean, seeing Katie, this destructive, intelligent force, dealing with her peers, who she sees as babies, it would have been awesome. But instead, we cut to a scene with Cloak and Dagger. And now, we have to talk about these two. Debuting in 1982 as guest characters in Peter Parker, The Spectacular Spider-Man, Tyrone Johnson and Tandy Bowen were two runaway teenagers who fell in with some bad hombres and were forced to try an experimental synthetic heroin. While their batches had failed and killed their test subjects, this batch interacted with the teens in mysterious ways. Tandy, aka Dagger, discovered she could create these blades or daggers of light that she can throw. Tyrone, aka Cloak's body, became a sort of doorway to a dark dimension. This allows him to teleport to other locations, but if anyone else enters this dimension, they are struck with numbing cold and experience terrible visions. Because of what happened to them, they have started a crusade against drug dealers and drug creators. They're like a hyperform of Nancy Reagan's Just Say No campaign. They're always depicted as sad and angry. They are pretty vicious to their prey, and it's not uncommon for a common drug dealer or users to be engulfed inside Cloak, only to be released as a sweaty, emaciated, screaming mess in a couple of panels. So what we are saying is that we have a couple of angry, violent, vigilante teenagers who go after drug dealers in a book about young children. Yep. To quote Marty McFly, that's heavy. I don't think their weight factors into it, but back to the story. And that is what we see here. The cutlery and cowled couple crash down on a couple of criminally complacent crooks, causing chaos for the controlled chemistry controller's convention and capturing the Captain Candyman. You know what I noticed? What? I think that the, uh, the, the two kids that were there really looked like two of the kids that bullied Alex earlier. Now I gotta look. Yeah, it's uh, the only difference is uh, one's like blue shorts turned into blue pants, but otherwise it's like same outfit, same tank top, same ethnicity. See what I'm saying? Oh my god. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know what? I kind of think you're right. Yeah. It's. I think he just went from shorts to pants, and then went to go a drugging. So he was uh, on a half day. It's drug day. So 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 not only are Alex uh, classmates, not only do they have acute fashion sense. And not only do they understand the correct century that the term G can be used in, mm-hmm. but they also are enterprising young men who like to uh, try to work on a new and uh, profitable drunk scheme for the United States. Yeah, seems like. Okay, nothing wrong with these kids at all. They're uh, first-generation farmer bros. So the drug-dealing delinquent, after a quick magical mystery tour inside Cloak's Darkness, provides the pair with the location of where Dragon Man Baby. and Gilbert were taken. They also discover that there were a couple of kids that rescued Dragon Man. Baby. This really piques the spy-themed couple's interest, and they teleport out to find the location. You know, in my head, when I hear Cloak and Dagger, I always flash on the 80s movie with Dabney Coleman, and the sad thing is, is that I knew who starred in that movie without looking it up. I'm sure that I saw that movie before I learned about these two. Anyway, the school day is over and the kids are back at home. Both the girls and the boys find excuses to split off from each other. The girls, that they are having a tea party, and the boys say that they have some stuff to do. Sure. Yeah. Good cover, boys. Each group wants to enact their own rescue mission without the other group knowing about it. And thus begins today's installment of Bad Idea Theater. I have to say, what follows are multiple child logic fails. The boys start off by filling up a bag with every aerosol canister that they can find and taking off through a window. The girls grab a blanket and jump out another window to check on the Dragon Man. Baby. They open the garage door after smelling smoke and... We have a scene out of Backdraft. Dragon Man Baby. apparently has been sitting in his own fire all day long. How did that building not burn down? Well, the flash fire kicks on the fire alarm and sprinklers. Bringa, bringa, bringa. And the girls get out of Dodge with Katie flying on the dragon's back. The fire, alarm noise, and the sight of a dragon flying with a rainbow cause a commotion on the streets below as people try and figure out what the heck is happening. 
and the boys notice their sisters. Now, Alex has been futzing around with different canisters, trying to find a good propulsion, finally settling on a fire extinguisher, which provides some great push to his weightless body. And then they fly after the girls. Meanwhile, in the Black Hat's lair, we have a smoking man with gray hair and a shoulder hoster. Wait. When did we start watching The X-Files? We didn't, and close, but it's not as creepy as that smoking man. He's breaking down his plan to Dr. Gilbert, who's working on a new and improved ultrasonic controller. This is the fool that was testing out a new drug and created Cloak and Dagger. He does not get why these kids ain't grateful. He turned them into a couple of overpowered freaks who are in constant pain by forcing them to take synthetic drugs. Instead of thanking him, they keep on beating up his gang. So, he had himself an idea. Cloak and Dagger are good at fighting humans, but machines... Forget about it. So he is going to build machines, robots, to fight these freaks. He specifically mentions that he wants Mr. Roboto straight out of Star Wars. I personally would rather have a Sith Lord. Not me. I want to see a hardcore action scene of the power pack facing off against C-3PO. Hello. I say, the chances of a boy turning into a cloud is 473,000 to 1. Squash. Stupid robot, you just got jackhammered by the mighty Mass Master. Okay, maybe it wouldn't be exciting after all. But it would be funny. It would be funny. <laughs> uh, back on point. That's why he's forcing the good doctor to build the controller and some sophisticated robots. You see, D'Angelo has two goals. One, he wants to take over the underworld. Two, do this after he gets cloak and dagger. Back with the kids. Alex and Jack catch up with the traveling trio, which prompts Alex to question the dragon's flight speed. To this I say, was he slow? No. He's a good dragon and a devil behind the wing. Was he slow? Levitation flight slow. Was he slow? No. And this has been another edition of Jeff singing the classics. <laughs> they catch up in time just before Alex uses up his fire extinguisher. And in time to hear our favorite sound. <sighs> that annoying noise. You know what that means. Our professor napping drug dealer uses the professor's Dragon Ball device on the alchemically advanced anthropomorphic androidal dragon. Believe it. The dragon impersonates a bucking bronco and tosses Katie off. Before Julie can save her, she is knocked out as she slams into the dragon's back. Bump. Dragon Man. Baby. Catches Julie and leaves Katie to fall to her death. Eee. Luckily, her weightless brother catches her and brings her to the ground, where she starts to cry and spill the story of what happened the day before. Eventually, they head over to the old church where Dragon Man Baby. is being forced to hand over Julie to the drug gang. The three siblings observe them all going inside. Hey, Rick. What? Guess what time it is. Well, it's not showtime, nor clobbering. So, uh, snack time? Nope. It's story time. Because now the imprisoned professor decides to do an exposition dump on Julie in the form of a fairy tale. And I'm not kidding. In the middle of this page, we have a once upon a time, followed by some art changes showing a very fanciful retelling of how the professor made, magicked, the dragon into existence but bemoaning the fact that it didn't have life and was but a toy. We then see Diablo, the supervillain that gave the magic potion to Professor Gilbert, I mean Gilbert the sorcerer, that made his robot into a real dragon. There was a terrible unknown price for this life, though. It turned the dragon into a destructive force under the control of Diablo. If it hadn't been for the Fantastic Four, who knows what lives might have been lost. In the end, Julie is consoling the professor. He is whining because he lost the magic and is now creating monsters. Dude, here's a hint. Stop using science to create monsters. He can't help it. He is like the Umbrella Corporation of Marvel. It's the only thing that he is good at. This is why we can't have nice things. Back outside, the kids are trying to find a way in when Cloak and Dagger show up. Dagger exits Cloak in the weirdest pose imaginable. Hands on hair, left leg straight out, right leg bent under her in midair. She was a ballerina. It's all about the entrance. And is it really that bad of a pose? I mean, it looks good. It's just ridiculous looking. It's, it's, I, I can't even, it's, if somebody just appeared in front of you looking like that, you'd be kind of like, hey. Some introductions are done, including Alex stating his name as G. Ugh. To you, Alex. Dagger is hesitant to involve the children in the fight, but Cloak points out that they themselves are not much older, and that a man, or child, must do what he must do. Deep, Cloak. Real deep. Well, he does have a dark cloak and a mysterious air about him. Before they can break in... To Electric Boogaloo. <laughs> a mob of monsters busts out. Monster, Monster roll, roll Call! Troglodyte! Cockatrice! Basilisk! Griffin! Cambot! Gypsy! Tom Servo! Crow! Okay, we lied about some of these. Well, fine. Four of these. We'll leave it up to you to figure out which ones. Truth be told, we find out these names next issue, but this will help us talk about them now. 
Troglodyte, a green furry lizard bear thing with a barbed tail and purple gloves. Likes short walks on long piers. Cockatrice, a purple thing with a yellow stripe down the face and stomach with eight yellow stakes pointing out of the face. Enjoys composing haikus. Basilisk, a brown pterodactyl thing wearing a white Brahma bull mask. Prefers to stay home at nights to make bonbons. Griffin, a brown-winged, lion-bodied, bird-headed thing. Turn-ons include killing small things with no mercy. All the combatants pull out their dice bags and roll for initiative. Alex rolls the highest and sprays Cockatrice in the face with a spray paint can and flies back into the arms of Basilisk. Cockatrice is pulled into Cloak's darkness, but nothing happens, clooming Cloak in on a confounding conundrum. Dagger tosses daggers at Basilisk, Troglodyte, and Cockatrice to no avail. Griffin grabs Katie, surprise, surprise, who predictably, surprise, surprise, tosses off a powerball, surprise, surprise, <laughs> into the side of Griffin's head. Crackow. This freaks out the youngest power, and she covers her eyes, eee. which prevents her from seeing the circuitry now showing in the robot's head. Jack solidifies to free and comfort his younger sister and gets sucker punched by cockatrice. Swap. D'Angelo walks out the front door and orders everyone to freeze. He is holding the control box and demands that everyone do his bidding, or the helpless Julie and the rest of the children will be ripped to shreds by Dragon Man. Baby. All right, that's it. That's it. I've tried to ignore this the entire episode, but you win. They named him Baby. Baby, 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 baby. There, are you happy? No, why would I be happy about that? It's a terrible name. What I am happy about is that I was able to call Dragon Man Baby the same number of times that the Power Kids did, which is ten times. What, seriously, ten times? Yep, and that's enough to cover the first 50 seconds of a certain Carla Thomas song. To be continued. Cliffhanger! Next issue, Monsters. Let's talk about some themes. Alright. First day of school. Yep. Yeah. I always really love uh, Slice of Life stuff. I do too. superhero comics. It was, uh, we, we were playing a, I think it was Mutants and Mastermind uh, game once where we were high school and half the time we were doing superhero stuff and half the time we were doing uh, high school stuff. And it was almost a pain to go into the superhero stuff because the high school stuff was just so much fun to do. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am right there with you. I think that that's what makes the superhero hijinks so much fun. Yeah. Yeah, the space stuff, the epic stuff, the big fights, those are kind of cool. And the reason I always liked Marvel is because it had deeper characters. They, they were more fleshed out. They were more human like us. Why does Spider-Man, why was he always such a popular person? Mm -hmm. It wasn't because he had cool powers. He which had he cool powers. Yeah, but it's because he was a struggling guy who could barely make rent. Yeah, DC was always about, like, Titano, the planet god, has come to Earth and wants all of its molten core. So right. Superman will punch him into somewhere else. Where uh, Marvel stuff was always like, I can't make rent. I need to get that bus. I have no shoes. And we have a couple <laughs> so. pages that are just perfect. We've yeah. got, you know, Jack's making new friends at school. Alex getting picked on by boys. Yeah. Alex meets the cute girl. I also like the fact that when Alex is getting picked on, he's really depressed about that, but mentally he's like, I could pick up that car, you know, the truck yeah. that the ball's underneath. I could pick it up with my powers and get the ball. I, I could so show much... them, but I'm not going no. to. No. My complaints about Alex aside, he does the right thing there. He does not go... He does not fit into his anger. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, he had great control. He was like, this sucks. I could show off, but I can't because I'm a hero. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So, I mean, bravo for him. But my favorite was just how human Katie was. Oh, I mean, big time. Here's Katie. You know, she has fought monsters. She has been to space. Mm -hmm. She has the power to disintegrate and destroy things. And she's freaked out by... A room full of babies. Yeah, noisy kids. Kids her, like, exact age that right. are just pulling each other's hair and hiding under tables and throwing paper airplanes and just screaming. You know, just the anarchy that's happening. And she's like, because that's, because again, we've kind of, you know, this is headcanon yeah. for us, but, you know, we've kind of established in our headcanon that Katie's friends and peer group is her family. And yeah. so they're not like that. And I, I think, really think about it too now, I think she would be stronger. I mean, I think anybody would be stronger if they were in, in a situation like that with their family. Yeah. And I do think that Katie and the rest of the kids are all stronger with their family. Yeah, of course. Possible exception might be Jack because Jack's, Jack's just a little bit of a freewheeler. Mm -hmm. He's a bit of a con man. He, he kind of he <laughs> handles himself just fine. Yeah. He's just fine. Yeah, no, I, I like the school stuff. I like I like all that stuff. Now, on the other side, let's talk about how much Dr. Gilbert sucks. <laughs> um, <laughs> he builds killer robots. Yes, he does. He fixes the controller. Yes, he does. Dude, you already made a giant dragon monster. What are you doing? Uh, he's being forced to make other monsters, and really well, in a very... What's crazy is that he made these creatures, these, these robotic monsters, 
in like half a day. You know what? Here's a here's a bunch of parts. Make a, make these you know big evil monsters. You know, and that I can do these evil things. Um, okay, I'm gonna make these big evil monsters that are programmed to only obey me, and they're going to destroy you. Yeah, there's that aspect where he could have been like, all right, I'll make these critters that are gonna just do what I say and will break me out and beat up this gang. You know what also kills me is the controller because it's not like a remote. It's just a thing that screams. Yeah, and that makes these creatures do stuff. It we, controls we, Dragon Man, but here it's like ah. Okay, I guess. Since, I'll go take since, the last, since the last episode, we've been complaining about this storyline, and there are some plot holes that you could drive a dragon just, man through. I was going to say a smart ship through, but oh, you know, that, that works out too. You like that? Let's yeah. say a snark cruiser through. Snark cruiser through. Yeah. That would work fine. Doctor Gilbert uh, and his uh, failures did provide us with yet another Star Wars reference because yep. Star Wars was really in the zeitgeist at this point in time, and it, it wasn't even alluded to. It was just flat out. Uh, yeah, yeah uh, D'Angelo going. I want robots like out of Star Wars. Just, just very much, just kind of like this is that scene from the movie. <laughs> well, it's not, obviously not a sure, super movie, sure. but yeah, just, just the simple fact that he he just specifically references the thing. Yeah, uh, Julie's power. Yes, check this out. Never really noticed this before until now, but I think you mentioned it. When she flies, she has a rainbow. When she hovers. She has this yellow hue around her, right? Yeah, she has. Uh, I talked about it in. Yeah, I talked about that in episode one or two. It seems like predominantly she'll have that like yellow glowing nimbus around her when she's in hover mode. Sure. Uh, I think sometimes she doesn't. Yeah, this one here on page three, she does. Yes. She's got this little hue around her. Mm-hmm. And I think last issue, when um, in issue five, she was kind of floating underneath uh, the cliff yeah. and holding on to the family. And she's just kind of hanging there. So she can hover. Yes. I think we've seen it canonically. She can hover. Oh, yeah, several times. And, and sometimes her power does, or her light nimbus does different things. And I think we got a question from TJ about this, too. Uh, Yeah, that, yeah, he, that just popped out yeah. where he was asking if uh, can Julie hover. Yes. Yeah. She can. She yeah. can. She she hovers many times here, and we see her doing it. And yeah, her, it, they do have a certain artistic style that shows when she is hovering. So, good to know. But, speaking of Julie, I think Julie's been using her library card. Because we got some literature in this book. Now, Julie has picked up a book on dragons to find out what they eat. A. This is awesome. And B. Apparently this is a thing that you can get on Earth-616. Or do we guess this is just a fantasy book and she's just going with it? No, because there's actual dragons in this. She might have picked up the book, like, uh, Feeding and Care of Your Fing Fang Foom. Or Lockheed's <laughs> Guide to Lunch. There's two dragons that I can name right now. Uh, yeah, uh, who, one, of them, uh, one of them is a pet. The other one is a world devourer. Yeah. Uh, well, there's also, you know, it's like, like Danny Rand could write a book. It's like uh, Care and Feeding of Your... Uh, I can't remember the dragon's name. The Undying after you punch it in the heart. heart and take its heart. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Proper heart harvesting by yeah. Danny Rand. Well, I did a little bit of research on this because okay. I, I, I'm trying to be a responsible podcaster. And if this was 1998, she could have been reading The Care and Feeding of Dragons by Brenda Seabrook. Uh, it's more of a novel than a manual. If it was 2016, there was A Dragon's Guide to Care and Feeding of Humans by Lawrence Yep. Again, more of a novel and more tongue-in-cheek. Yeah, that, well, wait a minute. That's also A Dragon's Guide to the Care and Feeding of Humans. Oh, you're right. So that's, you're right, you're right. You're that right. would be, yeah. Julie would be like, huh, that's how we survive is dragons take and, care of us. And this is, this is an actually horrible book. Oh, yeah? Oh, dear God. Oh, dear God, I'm going to die. That's uh, what Julie's thinking. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, fine, fine, fine. So, um, 2006, How to Raise and Keep a Dragon by Joe Nigg. This does get some great... Uh, carry information so yeah and from my own personal library i would have actually used the dragon lover's guide to pern by jody lynn nye and Anne mccaffrey it has some pretty specific chapters on care and feeding but it deals with dragons that are on a different world aka pern Mm -hmm. um also was published in 1989 so i love that series i read that series a lot well hang on to your little hat there buddy to whatever i hold on to yeah, yeah. hang Let's on to hat. hang on to your missing hair my friend <laughs> oh that's cold <laughs> that's not because uh I, I am going to be talking about uh ann mccaffrey and uh the dragon rose of Pern in a couple more issues oh wow man that is a spoiler yeah and you what's heard, funny and what's, you heard it here first and what's Spoilers. funny it's, and what's funny is that as i was working on that script and mm-hmm. typing up my notes i was not looking at anything else except for just going with my own memory Oh, and really? that was pretty sad. Okay. <laughs> I may like that series just a little bit too. I really loved it. I really liked uh, the uh, what is it, Dragon Harpers? 
Yeah, the, the, the yeah the Harper the Harper Hall tri- the Harper Hall trilogy. Yeah, the I read the heck out of that. I I like I love the concept of just little micro dragons. Wow. Yeah. yeah, I I you know I I like the concept that that you know you could get onto a dragon, you can be impressed with the dragon, you can take that dragon and you can fly up in the air mm-hmm. and you can blink and you can kind of teleport between all the way to Science Corner. <laughs> <laughs> Population, <laughs> Mr. Cowboy Science. <laughs> well done. Thank okay. you. Cheers to you. That's so, Jeff. Yes, Rick. I'd like you to explain some stuff. Mm-hmm. Can you do it? I can try. All right. So, page fourteen. Mm-hmm. Alex says he is out of baking soda in the fire extinguisher. Yes, yes, he does. Okay, I'll explain this by giving you the uh, down and dirty on fire extinguishers. There are four types of fire extinguishers, which are class A, B, C, and D, and each can put out a different type of fire, respectively. A for combustibles such as wooden paper, B for flammable liquids like grease, gasoline, and oil, C for electrically energized fires, and D for flammable metals. The ones that we're interested in, though, are the class B and class C extinguishers. These are the kind of extinguishers that you would find in your household, and thus, the kind that Alex would have grabbed. Baking soda was the first of the dry chemical agents developed and was the main component of these dry chemical fire extinguishers during the era of this comic. In the heat of a fire, it releases a cloud of carbon dioxide that smothers the fire. That is, the gas drives oxygen away from the fire, thus stopping the chemical reaction. So that's why Alex said that he was out of baking soda when his extinguisher ran out of juice. Because its main component was baking soda. Or bicarbonate of soda, technically, but it's the same. Cool. Yep. Thank you very much. I knew some of that, but I liked getting the full explanation. And since he is being very wasteful and uh, using all the fire extinguishers and other propellants, I thought we should talk about them. Yeah. Yeah. What's interesting in this issue's letter page, uh, it's the second letter page that they've had. uh, But yeah, in this issue's, they have people writing in, talking about their powers, how their powers work. One person, uh, D. Owen of address withheld by request, uh, goes very deep science very 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 deep physics is just like you know talking about entropy uh just just so much different stuff talking about each kid's power and how it's just almost like kind of world breaking it's like mm-hmm. you know it's like light speed oh and this actually refers back to a person that wrote in saying that he remembered from a letters page that julie can't reach light speed right in, in this letter he says that it would be impossible for julie to be traveling at the speed of light because it would take so much energy that it would just you know, it would eat the earth it was just this thing and then he goes you know goes on and on talking about each of the different powers very long letter very deep very intense uh i'm kind of you know it's i'm looking at i'm like hmm okay i have no knowledge about any of this stuff (laughs) and what's great is that that when the editor then responds to that letter his very first statement you know is just in response to this huge long diatribe about how powers work and you know assumptions that he's making and he's turning into gamma waves and matrices and just all this different stuff and then uh the editor's response is huh well, I don't know about that, but I'll sure push that to the people that you know, you know make the listings for the superheroes in the, in the you know Marvel Presents, and the, where you get all the characters and everything, and it says how their powers work and stuff. He's like, I'll give it to him and let him fret about it, which is pretty great. Speaking of reader mail, yeah, how about our own mail? Because we have a listener question. Hi there. TJ here, long-time listener, first-time commenter. I was really inspired by the way you handled Are You Taking Questions question, and I knew I had to write in. My question is, does Jack feel pain, or anything really, when he is in cloud form? He must physically still exist and take up space in the physical universe, even in his cloud form. So a laser blast or two must have vaporized a few of his molecules. I know that the snarks have the same blast or accuracy as stormtroopers, but even a stray laser blast will have to hit some of Jack's cloud body. Obviously, slower objects would just move Jack's cloud molecules out of the way, but the lasers are not objects as much as they are focused beams of energy, thermal or otherwise, that do not move objects but rather interact chemically, thermally, with their target. Of course, if there are objects, made of comic science and alien frustration, they are still moving too fast to move the cloud mist harmlessly out of the way. Yeah, that's a great question. And so let's cover the question part of this, which is, does Jack feel pain, or anything really, when he's in cloud form? The short answer is no. (laughs) The not as short answer is no, but also yes. The long answer is that the only time that we have seen Jack feel anything in cloud form was at the beginning of issue number two, where he was trying to put out a fire with his cloud body, and then only when he was almost a human density could he feel warmth. So I would say, in general, no, he can't feel anything in his cloud form. But now let's get to the fun part, which is the follow-up portion of the question. What's fun about it? Well, let me tell you, we're going to shoot Jack with lasers. Hooray! 
Okay, let's set the scene, shall we? Jack is in an open area, I don't know, complaining about something, when all of a sudden the Snark Cruiser repairs its control panel and stops tumbling head over heels in hate long enough for it to level its cannons at Jack. Then the commander gives the order to launch fighters. Launch fighters. The Willie Mays craft swarm and get into formation, hands out and at the ready until they realize that that's a dumb way to fight a cloud and extend their lasers. This ought to be enough, right? Wrong! Because around the corner comes Scrod, packing twin blasters and looking cool as Bobby Drake. Now his life has had some hard knocks recently, but he's here to kidnap humans and inventory a cloud. And he's all out of humans. The snark commander yells, FIRE! And they let slip a nightmare of energy fury. Thum, thum, Scrod crawls. Oh no, my pants. So what happens to Jack? Well, if he's a kid, he's dead. So let's assume he's a cloud. Let's also assume that the Snarks destroy, absolutely obliterate from existence, 283 cubic meters of cloud. Heck, let's double it and say 566 cubic meters of cloud because the Snarks were on a tear. How bad does this affect Jack? Well, they destroyed water vapor, and 566 cubic meters of water vapor equals 10 ounces of liquid water. So where can we get this 10 ounces of water from? Uh, how about his bladder? Because an average eight-year-old's bladder holds 10 ounces of fluid. So how does Jack recover from the snark attack? The answer is proper hydration. Go get a drink and get back out there, sport, because you didn't even notice the effects of the attack. Stupid snarks! Nothing defeats the great mess, master! Slow golf clap. Slow golf clap. That brings us... Two final thoughts. Let's mm -hmm. talk about the refrigerator gallery. Okay. What piece of art in the book needs to be on the family non-inventoried refrigerator? Okay, I have a uh, joke one, a backup one, and a real one. Let's do the joke one. Okay, the joke up one is on page 13. All right. And it is in the top bottom half on the left. Okay. And I call it, It's a bad night for a night watchman part two, the return. Because... <laughs> Stan the guy got a job at the... Here's what it boils down to. It's it's, it's my joke one because it's a picture of, uh, you know, who we say Stan the guard uh, in, uh, you know, the previous uh, issue, uh, you know, fighting Dragon Man who's stealing some barrels. So my joke one is Dragon Man breathing fire at Stan the guard. I like it. I like it a lot. <laughs> I see, like it. You see why it's my joke one? No. It's no, not even great. No. It's not even amazing art. It's just like, well, it's Stan the guard. I got to put it in. I, I, I'm, I'm going to go with you on that one. I, I like it. I mm -hmm. like it a lot. I'm going to go with my backup one. It's on page 12, and I'm going to fly away. And it's the one where you see Alex flying up in the air using his uh, fire extinguisher, Jack clouding up towards Dragon Man, and Julie flying next to Dragon Man. It's just kind of a cool picture. It's kind of a, a shot with them all using their powers to fly up towards Dragon Man, and it just is kind of cool looking. I like it. Okay, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. Um, my backup one is on page 14, and I call it uh, Three Point Land. And it is, it's got a silhouette of Dragon Man, Julie's Rainbow, it's got Jack the Cloud, it's got Alex with a shopping bag, and he's just used up his fire extinguisher. And from like seven stories up, he drops it into a trash can. Nice. Okay, yeah. No, I like that one. I like that yeah. one too. He, I mean, he's irresponsible about using uh, the, the fire extinguisher for a not real good reason. No, they make a point uh, earlier in the comic when yeah. they're leaving that he says, I'm so glad, you know, I'm going to be using a lot of this spray stuff. I'm glad that uh, our parents buy uh, ecologically safe products. Okay, and then he's also, you know, throwing away his trash. So bravo for him, <laughs> Instead of I guess. Yeah, he could recharge it, but you know what? Yeah. I mean, it's so heavy. He, It's not like he can affect the weight of things. What's your number one? Oh, my number one is actually your backup one, uh, which I call Have Spray Paint Will Travel. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, yeah, so your backup is my number one. It's Yeah, it's just this awesome uh, thing of, again, Dragon, you know, it's this undershot looking up at, you know, Cloud Boy and Dragon Man and... Rainbow Girl and G-Boy. You know, it's just all these, all this stuff's going on. I just thought that was really cool. My number one is, it's kind of all of page seven, but specifically the last panel in page seven. And oh, this is, yeah. And this is the, this is the page of Katie going to kindergarten. And it's just got these great six panels. The last two, you see Katie looking really resolved with half of her face shaded. And the last panel is her walking into this room of pure pandemonium of these kids running around there's a paper airplane that's being flown up in the air almost breaking the panel and katie is just walking through there like a gunfighter walking yep. down a street at noon yeah it's just a cute cute shot it's i pretty like that neat. one yeah, yeah that is really good 
All right, moving on to rubber and glue moment. What was the best or most childish insult? I have another honorable mention. Joke one. <laughs> Bring it on. Okay. Bring it on. <laughs> My honorable mention is page five, and it's not one of the power kids. Oh. You know what? I, 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 this is my, this is my top one. I think. Oh, okay. Would you? I think. Go ahead, though. Okay. You sure? Okay. It's uh It's this kid named John, and uh, Alex is all. It's, it's just the entirety of it, honestly. But yeah, it's like yeah, you know, Alex says G in the response to the bullying and meanness from these other kids and this and, other. And I kid. got it. I yeah. got this. I got this. Yeah. So G, where are you from, kid Mars? Nobody says G anymore. <laughs> yeah, no. it's just that entire panel is just like. <laughs> Insult Alex, insult Alex, insult Alex. I'm sad. Insult Alex. And then where are you from? Mars. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That that is my top one. That's my top one. What's what's uh what's your what's the rest of yours? Oh my backup is uh okay, it's on page seven, so it's part of the uh it's the resolution of uh, Katie when she's gonna go into the classroom. You know, Uh. she's mentally thinking, I fought snarks up I've got superpowers, I can do this, and she's you know, reaffirming you know Reassuring her mom, she's yeah. all... It's okay, Mom. I'm not afraid of a bunch of noisy babies. You can go. I'll be okay. Honest. Just the fact that she calls them a bunch of noisy babies was great. My top one is on page nine. Actually, I should say, my backup one is on page two. Oh, okay. Yeah, we're, we're jumping all yeah, around. Yeah, we're going to jump all over. Here's mine. Uh, yeah. Number two, um, and I'll go ahead and let you say it. Ha! That's because you're a windbag. <laughs> I'm sorry. Jack's calling him a windbag. Yeah. yeah, Jack had a lot of great lines. Jack had a lot one. of good lines. What's your top? Are my top? top uh, my top line? Surprisingly, is a Jack line. A prize, surprise, yeah, surprise, 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 surprise. He was filled with them today. Uh, mine is a Jack one, and it's on the bottom right of page nine. And it's after uh, they're leaving to go try and rescue the professor. You know him and Alex. You know Alex is all talking about. Oh, you know I'm glad that mom and dad buy ecologically sound products because yeah. I'm going to be spraying this stuff all over the city and throwing it in the car- trash. And then uh, Jack is all are you kidding you're worrying about ecology at a time like this in this city man you're out of your gourd <laughs> he just throws in a nice ecology joke and he's all like why recycle why worry about ecology especially in new york in the 80s it's like this is basically this is a dump <laughs> Yeah, this is a, this is a garbage land. Sorry if anybody lives in New York, but this was the eighties and this. Yeah, is, yeah, yeah. I'm just saying, Jack. Jack was Jack, not me. And, Jack and, was saying, "This place is a dump. Why are you worried about ruining it?" And just remember, Jack is calling him a windbag. He's the one that's made of a cloud. Yeah, he's the cloud. <laughs> yeah, he's the one who travels in the wind. Uh, but yeah, so much of that is just great. It's just you're out of your gourd. How often do you say tell somebody you're out of your gourd? Not enough. Not enough. I'm gonna probably is, start now. What is it? There. Uh, he's out of his gourd. Oh. Groundhog Day. Hey. There we go. He's out of his gourd. That's where I was turning. <laughs> All right. Um, stars in detention. Identify the child who was the best and the worst in the issue. Mm-hmm. My star is Alex. Really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Tell uh, me why. Uh, several of the kids did some good stuff, but Alex, you know, he figures out, he's like, hey, wait a minute. I can do propulsion. This is great. Okay. Uh, he rescues Katie. Uh, he... You know, faces some bullies. He, he's the only one that has to go to his school. Uh, you know, because the other ones, his middle school and the other kids go to that. Katie, Katie's going to kindergarten, kindergarten? but it's like an annex in the next next thing over. Uh, and, and I know, yeah, it's just everybody kind of had, well, almost everybody kind of had their thing. But Alex, he figured out propulsion. He saved Katie from falling to her death. All right, those put him top ranking for me. All right. I I say Jewel. I really? think that she shows compassion for Dragon Man. She gives him her blanket. Yep. Which then catches fires and causes the sprinklers. Yeah. She consoles the doctor after he tells her his story, after she is captured. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I got nobody. I don't know. I I looked at all the kids, and I think that there was a lot of bad, bad choices. Oh, yeah. There was, was bad choices up and down the block here. No, but um, Julie did some good stuff. Katie had the great kind of like, <clears throat> okay, I'm... Kate, I'm, I'm going to go to school. I can be brave. Kate, Katie had the wonderful brave moment yeah. there. But I mean, I, I, I think I'm giving it to Julie because she's doing a lot to try to figure out how to take care of this dragon. I think okay. it's a bad idea she's taking care of the dragon, but she's at least, she's trying to re- be responsible for the puppy. She had a lot pup. of compassion. It she's trying to be responsible for the puppy that followed her home. Yeah. 
Well, she didn't, didn't even follow them home. She took the puppy and said, now I will raise you. <laughs> and I shall call you baby. I shall call you baby and give you... I shall call you baby and I will raise you and love you and hug you forever. <laughs> I'll give you a bowl of water and a Kleenex-sized blanket. Okay, but bye now. I love you. <laughs> bye, 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 love you. Stay in this. Stay locked up in this closet until I come home. It's just like this. And please don't catch our building on fire. No, they didn't know about that at the time. Yeah, that they, was. They saw. They I don't, saw was, shooting fire. Oh, no, that was so ridiculous. And it's just kind of like he's constantly breathing fire and stuff. And it's like one of these days that's gonna catch. And like, when they open up the door to go see him, it's just, yeah, it's just this inferno raging out of out of the locker. And folks, we are going to put this on our webpage. Uh, there, we we'll put a lot of these panels on there because uh, some of these panels are just the, the, it's the only reason to make the story. Here. Yeah, if you haven't checked out our webpage, actually, do go check it out. It's pretty yeah. fun. Who's your worst? My worst is Jack. Jack, really? He didn't do a lot of stuff, and what was really kind of the clencher for me was uh, okay. Katie has surprise, surprise, been grabbed again, and he's a cloud, and then he turns into a boy to try and get you know, a frail eight-year-old. A frail 70-pound eight-year-old, you know, who gets smacked into unconsciousness by a robot. So it's kind of like, you know, there's a lot, you know, he should have jackhammered the hand or the arm. Or, you know, there's a lot of times where you're going to say to Jack, it's like, why aren't you a cloud? Yeah. He needed to be a cloud then. Yeah, I I can get there with that. But I'm still going to go for Alex. Really? I'm having a a hard time figuring out the best. But for the worst, I got to say Alex. I'm going to go ahead and get up on my soapbox. (laughs) He is the most irresponsible. <laughs> he is the smartest, he is the oldest, and yet he is the most short-sighted and irresponsible of all of them. I am going to get all of my family's aerosol containers, including the family fire extinguisher. Okay. I just Here's what it, I think. It's, it's, it was a free place anyway. If it burns, he's not uh, out anything. But that's where all their stuff is. <laughs> okay. And, I mean, what's the chances of the building catching fire? Pretty dang good, considering they got... <laughs> He doesn't know about fire sneezing dragon baby down there. I'm just saying, I'm just saying, it's just, it's bad and irresponsible. And I just have serious issues with it. I think that he just, he made the worst poor choices of anybody else. I respect your decision and your choices. Thank you. (laughs) Can you tell me about um, G-Force? Oh, I can tell you about Count the number of Gs Alex drops during the comic and determine the scientific equivalent therein okay he drops a number we've never seen before which is three which is a number we've totally seen before so uh, <laughs> it's a space shuttle it's the g-forces that a space shuttle crew will experience on launch and re-entry ta-da we've been there before it's the same old number dance except that i think that there's a few other people that said g too so there's a lot there of there was a yeah. lot of g's getting yeah except we're episode. only counting the uh, the sure. old alex's ones sure. but so that gives us a g average of 3.14 which is it's Pie. Exactly. So that we have gives a G pie. Yeah, we have a G pie. So what we have here is a gravity pie, which is really heavy and dense and super filling. So on Tighten Up the Defense, mm-hmm. they found in one of the letters of an old Teen Titans comic, a young boy uh, wrote in expressing his displeasure about something that was going on, and he uh, he equated the thing. I can't remember what it was now, but he equated it to like eating a. St- uh, steel pie. I do not like it. So, huh. so I'm wondering, <laughs> is a gravity pie like a steel pie? I want to say it's more savory. Okay, <laughs> but it's it's probably as heavy. What is our grand total of G's? Our grand total of G's is 22 G's in toto, which Ooh. is over uh, double the G forces that fighter jets experience. Are we getting close to planetary size G's? Actually, most planets have a lot less G-force hmm. than us. The largest one is Jupiter, and it's G-force. It's G. You experience two point five Gs on Jupiter. So we're way past that. Yeah. Yeah, we're we're way past planetary scale. I've wanted to tie in planetary stuff, but they're all off numbers and like Mars. You know, point three. <laughs> it's like, well, we're not going to have a point three day, and uh, but yeah. So it is still. I mean, we're on issue number seven, and we're up to twenty. Twenty two. Twenty two. Yeah. Twenty two Gs. In seven issues. Yeah, that's uh well the first one had eight, so that really kicked it out. So let's go ahead and rank these books. Top grades, evaluate each issue against the rest of the series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I really don't like the story. Oh, okay. I think it's very clunky. Yeah. I think there's some downright confusing dialogue. Uh the last page, cloak and daggers statements don't make sense. My light, my daggers, my cloak. Huh? Yeah. <laughs> 
uh, yeah, uh, Cloak and Dagger, they are very much appearing, you know, they're kind of like also appearing in this episode kind of thing. They pop yeah. in, they do some stuff, They it doesn't really matter. You talk, yeah, you were talking about Clunky. You know, in the first uh, part of the series, they were talking about, oh, he's going to build a synthetic army, and it's, you know, it's, oh, you know, you're thinking, oh, it's drugs, synthetic army. He's making, he's going to like give superpowers to his to his underlings, and then it turns out, no, he's going to make robots. It's like, right. oh, okay, I didn't I didn't get that before. You know what also is clunky about this episode? You know who was giving a lecture about responsibility? Yeah, in the previous episode or yeah. issue? Yeah, yeah, you know, Spider Man. Yeah. Where uh, at the end of the run with uh, Jack and Alex, and he's all, you kids go home, I'll take care of this. Where's Spidey? Well, I think at this point in time in Marvel Comics, I think he had three different comic books he was in. Plus, he was also the flagship bearer of yeah. Marvel Comics, and he was kind of like what Wolverine became, where yeah. he was appearing like, you know, uh-huh. two other, you know, ten other issues besides the issue he was in. Yeah. So, I'm going to go ahead and go out on a limb and let Spidey got busy. Okay, yeah, Spidey's all like, hey kids, you want to find a dragon man? Okay, you got ten minutes. The, you used him up later. The, the poor guy is trying to pay for his apartment, and he's mm-hmm. like running three comic books and guest starring in 20 more. Oh, and, and, Come and on. having to buy the medicine for his frail Aunt May. Yes. Yeah. You know, she was a uh, Herald of Galactus once. I saw that. Yeah. Yeah. She was also a bride of Dr. Octopus. Comics. Comics. <laughs> they make sense. Oh, yeah. And then page 18, Julie's dialogue. I read this like 18 times. I still can't untangle it. It's just, um, what is it? but baby's sweet until they hurt him and make him do bad things. He's like a big flying baby. Not like me. I was the oldest and now Katie's maybe hurt or, or I don't know what she's saying. Yeah, she's basically saying Dragon Man can't be a bad guy. He's, I don't, I, yeah, he's, I just, he's good. He's he's just clunky like a baby. Yeah, and yeah, it, it's yeah. There's so yeah. I guess the question is: is this better or worse than the last issue? I want to say better than the last episode. Episode. This episode is much better. Sure. No, yeah, this issue's I think slightly better than the last issue. I, I think I can buy that because at least it. It's one through through storyline, and they're not bouncing back and forth to different places. Yeah. So, and also, we have that fantastic two or three pages where the kids are at school, which yeah. I love. Oh, exactly. I yeah. loved him. So situation. I would say this is definitely in second last place. All right. We will go ahead and put in second to last place, and I'm not going to go through all the rankings, yeah. even though they're in front of us. Uh, seven is above six, and then the other numbers are above that. Once again, please check out our website for this list. That brings us to the final thoughts on our beer. Oh, hey. What do we think of Dynamic Duo, IIPA, in honor of Cloak and Dagger? I think it's kind of tasty. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's pretty citrusy. It yeah. actually has, uh, yeah, it. I like it. It has I've been good enjoying color, this. It has nice I've, bubbles. I've been enjoying this. I mean, yes, it is another IPA, but it's a double IPA. Yeah. We have had people say enough with the IPA stop. It's not the type of beer that's driving the episode. It's kind of the name of it. And yeah. So... Trust me, I, I'm looking for things that fit in. It was an IPA. I wasn't pleased with that, but... I really liked this. I like the idea of using something called the Dynamic Duo. So. Oh, yeah, that's great. It's, it's got a great cover on it. You'll see, again, if you go to our website, you can uh, see a picture of it and the uh, cover of the issue that we're covering. And, uh, yeah, it's a great-looking cover. Yeah. So um, I'm going to go ahead and say it's a... Um, I want to give this one a three and a half. I was thinking the exact same. Three and a yeah. half. So there you go. Sounds good. And, Jeff. Yes. If you wouldn't mind, I'd like you to go ahead and introduce my daughter and I for the kids perspective. I will totally do that. So as you know, each week we have a kids perspective, which is done by Rick's lovely daughter, Carrie. And who interviews her for that question? Why it's Rick. So take it away, Rick and Carrie. Hi, Carrie. Hi, daddy. How are you? Good. What did you think about this issue of Power Pack? It was nice. It just had a sad ending. Just had a sad ending? Yes. Yeah? Why was it a sad ending? Because... They got captured, and I don't think that they got let go, but probably that's in issue eight when they, when the monsters let them go. I mean, (laughs) (laughs) then they could, like, be free. You didn't like it because it was a little bit of a sad ending. Was there anything else in the issue that you liked? I liked it when Katie was, was trying to be tough. You mean when she was going into her kindergarten class? Yeah. She's actually kind of cute when she starts kindergarten. Tell me about that. Why do you think that? It's because that sometimes I have to be tough. Oh, yeah? When's that? In front of boys. Oh, yeah? Why? Because some of them, like, sometimes some of them make fun of my lunchbox or something like that. So I have to be tough against them. You've got a cute lunchbox. 
I know, but people are like, huh, yours is small. <laughs> okay, I think we got on the wrong track. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to go back to talk about the comic book yeah. instead of your lunchbox? Let's walk back there. Walk, walk, walk. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've walked back to the comic. What did you think of Cloak and Dagger? They're not nice sometimes. They're like, I mean, they, they wanted them to go away. They wanted the kids to go away? Yeah, when they were trying to rescue their sister. Why were they trying to make the kids go away? Because they thought that that they were there for just to like to do something like mischievous or like they're there for no reason just to explore. So they're like trying to protect them, but they should have just watched first. Why do you think that? Because they were actually there to get their sister and baby, which is of course I heard my dad tell you guys this, but Baby is Dragon Man, who's technically a robot. Do you think it's cute that they called Dragon Baby? Or do you think it's kind of silly? I think it's silly. (laughs) What would you have called Dragon Man? I would call him Tuffy. (laughs) That's a much better name. (laughs) Okay, for now on, I'm going to call him Tuffy. I like that name much, much better. You thought that Cloak and Dagger were a little bit mean. Do you like their outfits? Yeah, a little. Cloak's... Alpha is kind of mysterious, and Dagger's is sort of, like, different. How different? Like, Dagger is more lighter colors, and Cloak is, like, more darker colors. So they're kind of different. Kind of different? They seem to be friends, I guess. Yeah, they're friends. They're partners. Yep, they are. So is there anything else that stuck out for you on this in this issue, or anything else you wanted to talk about? Let's see. So... Normally, one of the each one of these kids has thought about seem to be getting a um a friend during uh-huh. school, except for Katie. I didn't see her getting a friend. We just saw her walk into her classroom. Yeah, Alex met Alice, Alex, Allison, Allison, and Jack met some other boys, mm-hmm. and Julie met. These two girls named Jenny and Ruth. Yep, and they're twins, aren't they? Yeah. Is there anything else you wanted to add then? Mm, one last thing. Okay. Since the boys snuck out, but then and the girls snuck out, mm-hmm. when Alex catched Katie, she told the truth. Yeah. And then they sort of had to tell the truth. I mean, like she told them the truth. Yeah. So there's no more secrets, right? Yeah. They're it's keeping a, secrets. It's a little better when they're not keeping secrets, isn't it? Yeah. Because then they're separated if they're keeping secrets. I think that's why my status is, I mean, at my school, there's no secrets. That's right. There shouldn't be any secrets. I think that's good. Yeah, me too. Thank you very much, Carrie. Okay. I love you. Love you too. And now, shout outs. We would like to recognize those listeners who take the time to write in and leave us a review. I would like to thank a couple of our friends who listen to each episode we publish and routinely provide us with feedback. My coworker, Alex K, and our good, good friend and fellow geocacher, Debbie W. Thank you for your continued thoughts and support. Thank you guys so much. It really does mean a lot to us that A, people listen to us, and you know, B, if any kind of interaction we get, is it's just, it's very flattering. It's amazing. It's it's always really neat. I know that uh, Rick usually catches that somebody said something before me, and then he'll shoot me an email, and he's all like, yeah, somebody said something, it's great. And so we get really giddy about it. Yes. So thank you. Thank you, listeners, one and all, very, very much. We really do appreciate you. Speaking of our fellow geocachers, I'd also like to thank my friend Virginia. She is a another very good friend of ours, and she has never had the opportunity to read comics as a child. And she's really enjoying to listen to us describe it. So thank you very much, Charlie Whiskey. Thanks, Charlie. Thank you to Rust on LF on Stitcher. They state that Power Pack was a great book and is excited that someone is running through it. They also think that we're doing a great job of showing why these are such fun books. Hey, thanks, man. And the next one is to... Do you want me to say the name? No, that's okay. I think I got it. Old is Wilson 65. So somebody who fell asleep on the keyboard. They left us a comment on our website about our fourth episode, specifically about Katie being a pufferfish of energy bolt. Thanks. We enjoy smashing words together in random order, too. Yeah, I came up with that one on the spot. I'm rather proud of it myself. 
I'd like to do another thank you to Smash Fiction. They are a fun little podcast that I have been enjoying listening to. And uh, they recently gave us a uh, nice nod um, because I was kind enough to leave them a good review on Stitcher. Yeah, Stitcher where they called it sorcery that you were able to leave one on there. Well, I am a little bit of a sorcerer. Yes. I have been, I recently discovered their podcast and I have been thoroughly enjoying it. If you enjoy any kind of crashing together of pop culture icons, I highly suggest you check out the show because these guys are hilarious. They take various pieces of pop culture fiction, they pit them against each other, and they have somebody judging to figure out which one of these pop culture icons is going to win in a hypothetical fight. Thank you very much, Mass Friction. You guys rock. Jeff and Rick Present is a bi-weekly self-produced podcast recorded in front of a live studio audience in Portland, Oregon. If you would like to interact with us through the magic of the internet, you can do so through Twitter, at Jeff Rick Present, our Facebook page, Jeff and Rick Present, our email address, Jeff and Rick Present, all one word, at gmail.com, or at our website, Jeff and Rick Present, dot wordpress dot com please rate and review us on itunes or stitcher tell your friends about us or share your love for us on social media and as always we want to thank the wonderful women in our life my wife cindy and our daughter carrie my fiance hillary and our daughter aurora we We love love you until next week costumes off our theme music is 80s action also featured in this episode are crisis anguish and penumbra all music is by kevin mcleod at ingopatech.com and is licensed under creative commons by attribution 3.0 license i wanna know what you're thinking okay you're probably thinking about toast you love your breakfast and your carbs you want your butter and jam on that toast yeah that's for you alex well that was inevitable now words (laughs) i think that's enough of my dialogue some kids kick a color yep don't blow to me. Don't even dare try and outcurry my burping. I will go and eat the worst food imaginable and burp the worst burp imaginable. And then you'll rue the day.